0: Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. Identity, that's an interesting word, isn't it? Because it means so many different things to different people. And you saw it on the video, it meant different things to even them. But for us, some of us find our identity in maybe the jobs we have. Some of us find our identity in our family, or maybe some of us find our jobs. In, I mean, our identity in what we drive or what we look like. Our identity is found in so many different ways. Now, I literally mean like so many different ways because I think everybody in this room looks at the word identity differently. It's interesting. Last week, I kind of learned a new aspect of the word identity. Uh, we decided to take a family vacation, and we went down to Disney World. And so while we were down in Disney World, my wife gave me one of these things called a magic band. If you haven't, if you've been to Disney, you probably know what these are, right? So this has your whole identity on it. I can go to every shop there and I can scan it and it tells who I am. And it links up to an app that, that tells me what I bought, what I can't buy. It t- I can pay for things with this. Everything, my whole identity is found. on. I mean, they even know what shoe size I wear on this thing. It's interesting, I didn't know this, but Disney World actually downloads a picture of you and, and, and makes it part of your identity. And I was amazed, honestly, I didn't think they'd do a great job, but I was amazed at how the likeness of me was in the picture they downloaded. So I, I wanna show you what the picture looked like. So actually, I found out my wife downloaded this. She thinks this guy's Mr. Incredible. Identity. It's interesting, about 15 years ago, Homeland Security, teamed up with uh, Congress, and they decided they were going to come out with what's called the Real ID Act. And it's an interesting thing, and I know a lot of us don't like big government and all that kind of stuff, but it's an interesting concept. What you do is you turn in certain paperwork, and what happens is they they compile all that paperwork together, and it shows you a Real ID. It was supposed to launch this year, uh, October of 2021. Now it's been pushed back to COVID, so about the time we remove our masks, we'll kind of know who we really are through Real ID. But it's interesting to me because the whole concept is to make us easier, our lives easier, traveling easier. Like today, I'm leaving directly following the 12, uh, 1230 service and I'm going to be on a plane. And I'm going turkey hunting out in Texas and I'm going to have to check in guns. And it's a laborious process if you've ever had to do it. It takes sometimes an hour, an hour and a half to get through of all security when you get through TSA. And this process is supposed to literally say, Bobby's who he said he is and he's okay. And I'll go through the process. And it made me think honestly, about that concept, as I've seen some of the commercials for real ID. Like, what is our real ID? Where is our real ID found? What, what, what does real ID look like for a believer? Well, what, 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 what is our identity? Because I think everybody in this room has an image of who they are. It's when you look in the mirror. Do you ever look in the mirror and go, okay, who am I? Like, you look at, and I know now I'm a 55, I'm a middle-aged male that's got some wrinkles starting. Like, I know what I am now. But sometimes our real ID, our identity is found in Something that somebody else projected onto us. Maybe it was a parent that you know didn't get you didn't get along with. Maybe it was a teacher that you didn't get along with, and they projected some kind of image on you, and you've walked through your entire life as that being your identity. Or, or maybe it's been good things. Maybe it's been coaches or teachers or moms or dads or whoever saying you are you know you're amazing, and the identity that you found has been found in that. And so you, everybody in this room has. This image of themselves, we all, we all have it. And it's interesting. And I, I'll make this statement, and I'm going to let you know that this is a, a, a first day. It's, it's, it's the new favorite series of Bobby Smith, like it's my new favorite series. And it's called Identity. We're going to be going five weeks. Today, we're going to be looking at Second Corinthians. But I want you to hear this, and I want you to hear this really clear, because I may not get to, get to see you next week or the week after. I want you to know you are not who people say you are. You are not what people project over top of you. You are not the labels that people have labeled you, regardless of what they are. And I'm going to and if you want me to be real honest, you are not who you think you are. You are not who you say you are. You are what God says you are, and that's it. And that's the story of Easter. That's why Easter's so important. Now it's interesting because we look at Easter, and, 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 and I've been around church for about 30 years, and th- this morning, even before I came to work, uh, came, came here. I watched two or three services of other churches. And it's great. And they're great services. Two traditional moments of very contemporary mind. I was excited about it. Like, I came here on, I was ready to go. I was ready to preach. But here's what I've learned. The church has done a really good job of telling us all the howls of the resurrection. All the howls of the crucifixion. Like, we know how Jesus died. We know that, you know, the ninth hour. We know that he said, aloy like, right? We We know all that stuff but I think we've done a really bad job of understanding the why's he died. Why did he die for, and and here, let me give you the short story real quick. Jesus came to the earth, 100% God, 100% man. He was sent by the Father, sinless. He was the only way. He was the Passover lamb once and for all, slain for all. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the entire world. That Jesus, that lamb of God went to a cross. He was crucified, an unwarranted death. No hope. But because of that moment, we can have hope. And because of the, the unwarranted death and the, and, 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 and the trial, there's been an unquenchable movement that's been happening for thousands and thousands of years now that Jesus went to a grave. They covered it up with a, with a stone. Three days later, just like he promised, that stone was rolled away, and Jesus walked out resurrected. That's the story of Easter. Easter. Now, I'm going to say something, and I'm, going to, I'm just going to say, like, like, I didn't wake up this morning wanting to make people mad on Easter Sunday. It's the last day you want to make people mad, right? Like, I want you coming back next week. But here's the deal. I, and just so we're all on the same sheet of music, okay? I want everybody to get, get with me on this. I believe every word in this Bible from front to back, okay? From front to back, I believe every word. I believe the Old Testament is leading us to, up to a moment where the famous one com- comes on, the, the story, the, 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 the hero of the story comes on the scene that Christmas about 2,000 years ago. I believe every teaching of Jesus that's in this book, I believe he teaches us how to be better husbands, how to be better fathers, how to be better wives, how to be better, you know, like people, on the, how to be brother, brothers and sisters, how to, how, to, how to be better citizens, how to love your neighbor. I believe everything in here. I believe the teachings of Jesus are utterly important, but I don't believe the teachings of Jesus were the most important things. It wasn't what happened before his death that was the most important. It's what happened after his death that was the most important. Hundreds of teachers came around and taught good things and thousands of people were crucified on crosses but only one was raised from the grave by himself. And that's what Easter is all about. And that's where I find my identity. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's where you should, by the very term Christian, it means I've taken on somebody else's identity. I have taken on the identity of Christ. Somebody needs to say amen to that right there. That's what Easter is all about. And because of the resurrection, because of the resurrection, not the teachings that are important, not the crucifixion, which is, like, important, but because of the resurrection and that empty tomb, because of Jesus, you can have a new identity. Second Corinthians says it like this. It's becoming one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And this is what it says. It says, it says therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old is past and the new is come. That's the identity we have in Christ because of Easter, because of, because of Jesus Christ dying on a cross, but being resurrected from the, I'm a brand new person. Now, here's the deal. A lot of people think it's like, let's we'll just turn over a new leaf. But being a Christian is not about turning over a new leaf. It's turning into a new life. It's about, it's not Bobby 2.0 because Bobby 1.0 was not that good. And I needed Jesus to actually, it's like, I'm not, I'm literally changing or we're literally changing the operating system that's in our lives. So it's not just about, as a matter of fact, so many times in life we think, let's just clean up the outside and everything will be fine. And it's way more than cleaning up the outside. Jesus actually rebuked the, the scribes and Pharisees. And he said, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but on the, on the inside is death and decay. And so many people walk around this planet thinking, you know something? I'm just going to clean up the outside and everything's going to be fine, but there's so much more. And, 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 and by the way, just so I can say, and, and this, like there again, I didn't wake up this morning, to make, want but, but you are not white. You're not clean on the inside because you walked down the aisle at Meemaw's church one day because you went to vacation Bible school and raised your hand. That's not what it means to be a new creation. It means instead of bowing in an altar, I'm bowing at Jesus. I'm bowing my heart. And it's more than just filling out a cart. People joke with me all the time because I, I talk about if there's no secret room, we all have a secret room here. You ever go to, I went to, used to go to revivals when I was little and all that they would take you. i like, where's those 50 people going? They're going to a secret room. There's no secret room A Journey. You know why? Because we don't need a secret room and there's no paperwork that you need to find. You know the only paperwork I want to be on? I want to be on the Lamb's Book of Life. that's it. That's it. I want to be fair when I get to heaven. It says, Bobby Smith, come on now. Uh, well done, good and faithful servant. Now enter into your rest. That's what I want to hear. That's what Jesus did. He gave us, gave me a new identity. Before Jesus, whether we want to agree with it or not, we were dead in our sins. I was a mess. Like the trajectory of my life when I was 16 and 17, I didn't know if I was going to be around this earth that much longer after that Things I got in trouble for and things I did and the trajectory, you know, it was a mess. And I remember clinging on to the passage when I asked Christ at 17 years old, when I asked Christ to be my Savior, therefore, if anyone is Christ, I'm I'm in Christ. And I remember literally this passage coming alive to me. And he says, he's a new creation. I was brand new. The old was gone. The old's passed away. What I used to be, I'm not anymore. My identity is found in what Christ has done on the cross and the resurrected King. My direction of my life has changed. I remember at my water baptism, I remember a lady by the name of Ruth DeMarco. She walked up to me and she grabbed me by the arms. I was 17 years old. She said, one day you're going to be called Pastor Bobby. I'm like, you're out of your mind. You don't even know who I am. I don't want to be Pastor. I want to be Gigolo Bobby. That's what I want to be. (laughs) Some of you can relate to that, right? Pastor Bobby. Now, it took 20, almost 30 years before it ever happened. But God knew what he was doing. He was getting me ready. He was getting us ready. He was getting ready for us to have a movement in the city that the city's never seen before. Identity. My identity's found in him. Your potential, let me tell you something. Your potential hasn't changed. I don't care how many mistakes. Your trajectory hasn't changed. If you're in Christ, you're doing what? And, And gonna be exactly what he wants to be. Everything he wants you to be, everything. And, and here's the deal. And I find this, and I have this conversation. I had a conversation with after, because there was somebody, a visitor of Journey. You can always tell visitors at Journey, right? You know how you can tell them? They're wearing a suit and tie to church. Like, yeah, first time here. Nice to meet you. Next week they come with jeans on. They walked up and they said, So I think as a church, I think as church, the church, the big city, we've made a bigger deal out of what we look like on the outside than what's going on, on the inside. I was reading a book, and there's a, a singer, and I, I have to admit, I, I am a, I'm a headbanger. Like, I love headbanging music. Like, any headbangers in the room? Like, I love... So, one of the bands I loved growing up was a band called Korn. Anybody ever hear Corn Okay. So, um, there's a guy, the, the, the lead singer of the band. His name is Brian Welch. His nickname is Head. And at 2003, 2004, 2005, he was just a miserable wreck. He was spiraling out of control, but he had a child. And he just did not want his child being raised in that rock and roll environment where all the you know drugs and alcohol and all that kind of stuff. So he decided to go on a, a journey, and he was going to journey to find find sobriety. He was going to journey to find hopefully Jesus. And in 2012, 20, uh, 2012, he found Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And now he preaches all over all over all over the world. He preaches the message of Jesus. How Jesus changed. And there's there's lots of controversy because of what he looks like. As a matter of fact, this is what he looks like. He's he, he looks like somebody that Journey would love. <laughs> just saying. If he, I used the illustration in first service yesterday. I said, you know, if he was to walk down the aisle and somebody said, I'd let him sit next to me. Like, exactly. But he was at a church and the worship service was over and he was getting ready to speak. And the lady grabbed him by the an arm and said, I just want to tell you, I'm, I really appreciate the fact that Jesus has cleaned you up on the outside. I mean, on the inside. But now I'm starting to pray that Jesus would clean you up on the outside. And I thought to myself, just like the scribes and Pharisees, they were more concerned about what was going on the outside than what was going on the inside. And maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online and maybe that's even been a push away for you. You've gone to church before and maybe the reason you only come Christmas and Easter is because you don't like the hypocrites. I'm going to tell you here in this place, somebody needs to say amen to this. In this place, in this place, we don't judge by the way you look. We judge by the way you act. If you have the fruits that demonstrate who you are as a believer, that's where your identity comes from. I love the way it says it in several of scripture, but uh, Colossians says it like this. And you... You who are dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. By canceling, I love this, by canceling the record of the debt that stood against us with its legal demands. It's like, get this picture. You're in front of the judge and you've done something wrong. You've murdered somebody, you, you, know, you, 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 you owe a huge debt and he goes, you know something, the debt's no more. The debt's no more. He looks at us and he says, he, he literally says this, stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, watch this, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. He says, your sin, my sin, I'm, I have new identity because he nailed my old life. He nailed the old stuff to the cross. Which brings me to the second thing. The second thing that we have, because of Jesus, you have been reconciled. Now, that's a big church word, and a lot of people don't understand that word, right? It's not like we sit at the dinner table and tell our, tell our kids, like, hey, let's just want you to know you did something wrong today, but you are reconciled to me. Like, it's not, that's not normal terminology, right? Like, I've never heard anybody, I've never used it in a sentence at the dinner table. Like, like we're reconciled? Are we reconciled? Like, but what reconciled means is you are in right standing with God, and you can have fellowship with God. This is what he says in verse 18. He says, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I'll explain what that is in a minute. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. He said, reconciled. You have been made right. He canceled our debt. He paid it in full. Everything that we owed is gone. And here's the deal. You know what I've learned? I've been doing this a long time. 30 years I've been in ministry. I have learned that even some of the people that put on the greatest looking face and the nicest looking clothes, they're still living in fear that they're gonna be found out one day, that the real them is gonna come out. And reconciliation, let me explain it like this. And I I read a story, and, and some of you that are about my age probably remember this there was a, a lady by the name of Sarah Jane Olson who was literally born, her name when at birth was called, she was Kathleen Celia. She became part of, after going to, she went to USC, um, USC out in California, she got involved in a cult. It's called the Symbonese Liberation Army. Now that might not mean much to you guys, but this, if you remember it, growing up, right, there was an abduction by a, a, a person by the name of Patty Hearst. This was the group that abducted Patty Hearst they were also bank robbed and they were trying to fund through bank robbery, all their stuff, all their all their political movement. It was it was a like it was bad, 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 bad. And it ended up they started killing people. So here she is one of the she's one of the trigger pullers. She actually pulled the trigger on two murders. And she's, you know, at twenty-something years old. Well, she gets arrested. Well, they let her out on bond, and when they let her out on bond, she goes underground. 20 years later, 20 years later, she's married and she's married to a doctor. She's the president of their PTO. Like she has changed her identity. Everything in her her life has changed until she opened her mouth one time. And she told the wrong person the wrong thing. And they turned her in. And and I can go a thousand different ways with this story. Your real identity is gonna show up one day. You can hide, but she can't hide. You know, all that kind of stuff. The bottom line is this. Eventually her real identity came out. And sometimes what happens in our lives, we're afraid that our real identity, well, guess what your real identity is? Paid in full. You don't have to hide anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's sin in my life. There's things that are back here. There's things that I'm not, but I don't have to hide from it anymore. I don't have to worry about my past coming up because you know why? I can say, you know something? That was then. My my, my, my sin has been washed as white as snow. That's what scripture tells me. And I don't have to live in, in what I used to be anymore. There are so many people who live in a similar fashion. Listen, we're not worried about, you're not fugitives from justice, I hope. Right? I don't know some of you. But, but you're fugitives from yourself. You're, you're, fu- you're fugitives from your past. You're, you're fugitives from what mom and dad said to you years ago or maybe whatever it is. And your, den- your denny is found in that. But let me tell you something. He paid the debt that he did not owe. And guess what else? He paid the debt I couldn't pay. He did for me what I couldn't do for myself. That's reconciled. And there's some. And I, I, I man, I can't believe. I Had a conversation last night. A guy walks up to me and goes, "You're not even talking to me." I'm like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Like, I, I don't need anybody to pay my debt. I've never done anything wrong." Really? Can I ask your ex-wife that question? Hey, can, can I ask your kids? Can I ask your kids that you haven't seen in years? Can I ask your kids if you ever did anything wrong? Or right, how about how about your last three bosses that you got fired from their companies? Can I ask them? Can, can, I, can I? Everybody in this room is in the same boat. You know what that boat is? For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. I don't care. I don't care how how good you think you are. I don't, I don't care how big you think you're. I don't care how much money you. Make. I don't care about any of that. The Bible says for all have sinned and we all needed a savior. We needed a savior to reconcile us with the father. And for this reason, Jesus took our place. I love the way Ephesians chapter two says it, for by grace, not, not your grace, by the way, his grace, a merited favor, giving us something we didn't deserve. I'm thankful, somebody needs to say amen. I'm thankful I didn't get what I deserved. I got Grace. And it says, by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. We didn't deserve it, but he gave it to us anyway. We didn't earn it, but we were given the opportunity to receive it. And, I, and, and, and Lamentations is becoming one of my favorite. If you've never read the book of Lamentations, it's just an amazing book. But uh, chapter 3, verse 22 says this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You know what that means? that I can wake up, hear me, listen, everybody, eyeball right here. I can wake up, regardless of what today brings, I can wake up tomorrow morning and his mercy is brand spanking new. And I can wake up the next day with all the sin, all the problems I had, all the tension, all the anxiety, all that. I wake up tomorrow morning, I wake up the next morning, and his mercies are new again the next morning. So every morning I wake up with new, new mercies, new mercies, new mercies, new mercies. See, that's what it means to be reconciled. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. We just sang the song. When God looks at me, he looks at Jesus now. He sees Jesus in me. He literally, Jesus stole my identity and he became me, which leads to the third thing. Because of Jesus, you have a purpose. Because of Jesus, I have a purpose. And I can hear some of you. You don't know my past, Pastor Bobby. I don't care about your past. You don't know what I did way back then. I I was in jail for a while. I had a guy here the other night told me he got shot by his wife because they were stealing each other's drugs. I was like, what? He said, and God can still use me, can he? I said, yes, he can. And you want to know the truth? God still is using him. You know something? Quit those lame excuses, will you? God brought you through what you came through because He has a story to tell through you. I don't know what that looks like. My story is my story. Your story is your story. Don't try to run from it. Use it. You tell that lame excuse to Peter. I mean, Peter denied Jesus. If there's anybody that could not, but was disqualified from being used, it would have been Peter. He denied him three times. But yet Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How about that? Or how about this? Tell that lame excuse to Paul. Yeah, yeah, Paul was the guy that was killing people like us. He would walk into a room like this while people were assembling, learning about Jesus and he would, he would start killing people. You tell that to me. On a Damascus road, God took the scales off his eyes and he became the greatest revivalist that we'll ever see. He wrote the majority of the New Testament and the reason we do church the way we do it is because of the apostle Paul tell that excuse to him. God has a purpose for you. And don't tell me, don't tell me that you don't battle that because I battle it. Now, now I'm going to tell you a true story. I'm uh, vulnerable for a second. This last year has been tough. It's been, to be quite honest with you, I can't tell you how many times I have talked to Alan and said, I'm turning my resignation in. Like I'm done. Like this, this is not, they didn't, they didn't teach us how to do this in, in cemetery. You know, they, And so, like, I got to complaining a couple, three weeks ago, not to, not to Alan, but, um, but to me and to God. Did you ever complain to God? That never goes well, does it? <laughs> He's just like, yeah, whatever. So I was riding, I was going uh, turkey hunting on Friday of last week, and I live out in Appling, so on um, one of my pieces of property, I got to get on Scott's Ferry Road, and on Scott's Ferry Road, there's this African-American church. It has this really beautiful sign. signs. One of those signs that lights up and everything kind of moves around. It's just amazing. Um, we'll never get one, but it's just amazing. And so I, I was riding past, and as I run past, it was early. It was like 4.30 in the morning, and I ride past, and I see on the sign, it just says, you know, Easter services, blah, 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 blah. And I didn't think anything of it, right? And so, and I even check, because I don't know about you guys. I like to check. Do you ever go past the stupid church signs? Like, I'm making a collection of I'm not gonna say anything of them today. But, so I was looking at the rearview mirror mirror, nothing there. Well, I was coming home about 12 o'clock and I'm coming over a little, there's a little hill right there and on the sign, and I had been complaining to God the whole time I was turkey and I wasn't even paying attention to what was going on. I was just complaining to God, like I wanna get out. I'm done. This COVID thing is ruining me. And I was thinking about how I was gonna, I was gonna tell everybody that I was leaving, the staff and elders. And I know it was just a battle, okay? I know it was just a battle. That's what happens. And on this sign, It just said this, you are pastor. Man, I slammed the brakes on and I looked at it and I stood there and I started crying. I even rode past it and came back to see if it was really there. I've never seen that sign before. I don't know what it was up there for unless God was in fact trying to tell me where my identity is found. I don't care what you've done. I don't care about the arguments you have with God. I don't care what you think of yourself right now. God has a purpose for you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And let me tell you this truth. The way we respond to it, how we respond to the call of God, how you respond to your identity, how you respond to the purpose of God because listen what it says here. I love these phrases in this passage. It says, all of this, all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ God, he was reconciling. What he's saying is you have the message of the Savior to carry to the world. The same message that Jesus brought, you have the ability to do. And it says, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. There's your identity. There's your identity. You know what an ambassador is? Somebody that lives in one land, goes to another land to tell them what's going on in this land. Let me let you in on a huge secret, by the way. This is not my home. This is not your home. I am a foreigner. I'm an ambassador to this land waiting to go to the new land. And you know what my job is? To take as many people from this land to my homeland. That's what God's called us. And the way I respond and how seriously I take that demonstrates how I feel about the Savior. Anybody watch football at all? Come on now. It's it's Easter. We can say we watch football here. All right? I didn't watch it. I don't know about you guys, but I've been watching historical black colleges have had football season in the spring. I've been watching that because it's football. It's better than basketball. Basketball doesn't make no sense to me. Anyway, so Tom Brady, anybody know who Tom Brady is? So if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, I think he just won his seventh Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He took Gronk with him and they won, right? The next day, you I don't know how much of a fan you are, but the next day, they have pictures of him, videos and he is hammered, like he can't even walk. Like he is slobber, slobber, slobber drunk. Like, so Gronk is holding him up, everybody's holding him up. Well, there's this picture that starts circulating. And I, I believe one day it'll be the most embarrassing picture of his entire life. But it's a picture of this right here. He is actually taking the Lombardi trophy and he's throwing it from one boat to another boat. And there were some people that thought it was funny, but lots of ex-NFL fans our NFL players and current NFL players were appalled that he did that. Because they were saying this, they were saying, you know something, we have trained our whole life with the dream of one day holding that trophy. And you've taken that trophy and made it like a Campbell's soup can, just throwing it from one boat to the other. And it was interesting because when he was confronted with it, this is what he said. He said, it was just a joke. It was fun. There was no harm done. Not a big deal. One person came out of the crowd and said, her name was Lorraine Roll. She said, it is a big deal. I think it's a big deal. I think, I think you did a disservice to the NFL. I think every kid that's grown up in peewee football and middle school football and high school football that had dreams of holding that trophy one day, you have lessened the value of that trophy. And he said, by the way, my name is Lorraine Grohl, and my dad, Greg Grohl, is the creator of the Marty Trophy. And you've dishonored my father by throwing that trophy. And it made me think, the way we respond to God with the commission and our identity, I think it says a lot about how we respect and respond to the creator, God. If it's a value to us, if he's a value to us, being an ambassador should be a value to us. We have new identity. We're brand new. Not 2.0. It's brand new. You've been reconciled. I've been reconciled. The things that have held me back in the past can't hold me back anymore. And God has called me with a purpose. God's called you with a purpose. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to, just for a second, just want you to shut your eyes and we're gonna pray together. And God, in this moment, I know there are so many different groups of people There's so many different people groups in this room. There's not social or economic. There's just spiritually, there's so many different people groups represented right here. And there's some people in this room. There's some people watching down in Sherwood. There's some people over atrium. There's people watching online. Today is the first day you've heard some of this and you want a new identity. You're tired. You're tired of the way your life has been going. And you're, so you're saying, Pastor Bobby, tell me, tell me how do I, what do I do? Well, the first thing is I think you have to admit. You have to admit that you've, you've done some wrongs. The Bible calls it sin. You have to admit that there's been sin in your life. You, sin has separated you from God. And then you have to accept. You have to accept what Christ did on the cross. Not just as an Easter checkoff or, you know, a Christmas Eve checkoff. It's just what you do. That's the reality. Like, like Justin said earlier, like Peter, he was running to the tomb to find Jesus. And that was the first time, that was, that's when Peter's life was changed when he saw the empty tomb. We have the privilege of 2,000 years later in history and books and all the stuff to know the tomb was empty. But we still have to accept Jesus in that empty tomb. And then we have to take action. There's a real spiritual word for this. I'll use it and I'll explain it. It's called repentance. It means you turn away. We have to take action. We have to turn from whatever the Bible calls sin and face ourselves in the direction of Christ. Like I said earlier, there's no no secret formula. There's no card you fill out. There's no secret room. You're not gonna come to an altar. This is a conversation between you and the heavenly father. Where you say, I've made a mess of my life. And I need you to take control of it. And I relinquish control and give it to you. And the Bible says that you're saved. You're born again. We've been singing songs about that. For others, we've made that decision maybe years ago. We've crossed that spiritual line. But maybe you've walked away. Maybe we've walked away. And maybe today's the day that you get reacclimated with the Savior. And you go, you know something? That tomb is empty. And this is going to be the best Easter I've ever had. Not because we look good, not because we're finally meeting together, but because Jesus is in fact who he said he was. So you have that conversation right now. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would flood every nook and cranny of this room. That it's not by words that have been sung by human, it's by a Holy Spirit of the living God coming in this place and filtering through every one of us. And I pray that people are making decisions to follow you and taking next steps, God. But most of all, that all of us in this room would recognize the importance, the most important day in history. That's what we're here to celebrate, an empty tomb. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps@journeycommunity.net.